Can I tell you that no one saw 2020 coming? <laughs> Not the pastors with all their wonderful themes of 2020 vision in 2020. They didn't see it coming. The politicians didn't see it coming either, even though they'd like to pretend that they did. And not even the prophecy experts saw this coming, which is always quite amusing to me, by the way, that all the prophecy experts that are telling us about the fifth toenail on the seventh toe of the fifth foot of the second beast of the eighth chapter, that they, they didn't see this coming. And that always gives me a little bit of cause to smile. But I will say that here at CCC, the strong voices, voices plural, from this pulpit have certainly helped us navigate this year, both before and since the COVID-19 pandemic was unleashed on our unsuspecting world. I will speak only for me. <laughs> That's safe for the other pastors on staff usually. I began this year with a series called Strong Meat. And yes, that was just a few hours before we began our Daniel fast. I do remember. It was based on Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount where he said that he expected all of his disciples to serve, to pray, to fast, and to give. Here's a quote. There comes a time when you should be teaching others, not needing to be taught the basics repeatedly. There comes a time when you should be blessing others, not needing to be blessed over and over again, just so you can stay motivated to serve God. There comes a time when you need to trade in your milk for some meat. The Wednesday night after youth explosion in February, I preached a message entitled, Ask for the Rain. Here's an excerpt. Here's the Bible principle. When it's raining... Ask for more. Don't stop at a few drops when God wants to give us a downpour. Don't stop believing. Believe for more. Don't stop praying. Pray for more. Don't stop reaching. Reach for more. Don't stop asking. Ask for more. Revival is not simply an event, church service, conference, or special gathering. Revival is not simply a seasoned season of heightened spiritual activity. Revival is not even a time of visitation after which we go back to business as usual. Revival is meant to redefine business as usual. Revival challenges our usual business. It redefines normal church services. Revival confronts old wineskins, obsolete traditions, outdated methods, and provokes Christians who are carnal, complacent, and comfortable. Revival calls the church to be in this world, but not of this world. Revival compels you to be hungrier than your history, thirstier than your yesterday, and more passionate than your past. Three weeks later, on a Wednesday night in March, I preached the message, what about your reputation? Here's what I said. We fear how we will look in the eyes of others 
if our God makes a rule we can't explain to the satisfaction of the critics, or if he doesn't answer a prayer to the satisfaction of the cynics, or if he doesn't heal every disease and punish every evil deed to the satisfaction of the skeptics, or even if he doesn't solve every problem and resolve every situation to the satisfaction of the saints. Isn't it ironic that we spend so much time worrying about our reputation with others and God's reputation with others when what we really should be concerned about is our reputation in the sight of God? It is possible to have a reputation that you are alive while you're really dead. It's possible for people to think you're okay while God knows you're not. It's possible to belong to this church and not really belong to God's church. And that is the reputation that you should be concerned about. Forget what others think about how spiritual you are. What does God think about your relationship with him. And that was just the beginning of the year. And on Thursday morning, after that message, as was my custom before COVID-19, I get up at 2.30, left for the airport at 3.45, headed to Montreal at 5.20, connected to Chicago, landed at 9, and headed to the suburb of Bartlett, joined the Passing the Mantle conference, which was already in progress, and preached that morning. That was the day our province issued a recommendation against large gatherings in light of the coronavirus. So over the, ne over the next several hours, sitting in airports once again, I wrote two emails, not one, two. Since the government's recommendation was not yet a requirement, my first email said, we're going to proceed with service on Sunday for anybody that wants to come. My second email said, we will hold Sunday services online only, and that was unprecedented for CCC. Our staff postponed that final very difficult decision until Saturday morning. But since most of the churches of any size in our area were pulling down their services, we were concerned about public perception if we chose to buck the trend and stay open. So we went online only that Sunday in March. I will say now, in hindsight, the handwriting was on the wall. After preaching three more times in two states and canceling two more meetings over the next two days, I was back on a plane to Toronto by Saturday night and back in Fredericton by Sunday morning and preaching right here to a camera in a basically empty building by Sunday night. Again, totally unprecedented. That Sunday was March the 15th. And I will say, if I had known then that the government intended to keep our congregation from gathering in our building, not for two weeks to flatten the curve, but for 14 long weeks, well, I might have overruled the staff and pushed ahead with services until the recommendation had indeed become a rule. While we were online, I preached from this pulpit, from my office, from my living room while we were under quarantine. And when I preached in the living room, it was wonderful. I was facing a laptop perched atop a teetering tower of tables and chairs and books 
that could have fallen at any moment. I tried to make the best of it, and I know our other pastors did. I even used the coronavirus as a theme for sermons. There's a new twist. I preached contagious. I preached house to house. I preached fear not. And I even preached a, a seven-part midweek series on First Peter called Scattered. But all of those online services, our pre-recorded Easter celebration, our parking lot services, and even doing prayer meeting in small shifts, it just didn't cut it for me. I'm sorry. It certainly wasn't that I was bored. During that time, I preached virtually in Nova Scotia, British Columbia, Ontario, Florida, Ohio, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Mississippi. I attended multiple board meetings by Zoom, which I am so tired of. I recorded interviews. I spoke to groups overseas. And I was even the only speaker, Brandon Pike knows this, because he recorded it with me. I was the only speaker for a camp meeting in Iowa of 10 services back to back. By the time they get done listening to that much Woodward, they thought they were in the Great Tribulation. <laughs> I stand here today and I say unequivocally, I was so proud of the way that our media and music teams rolled with the punches during those long, arduous weeks of online services. Amen. I was so grateful for the online youth devotionals and the Sunday school sessions online and even that crazy monkey, Andy the Ape. I was so grateful for the anointed voices that we heard over this pulpit during those awkward weeks as preacher after preacher after preacher faced that camera back there and preached to an empty auditorium for your benefit. And I was beyond grateful for all of you. The church family that has turned a pandemic year into the greatest financial year in our 60-year history. You have been so faithful to God and to your church. So it wasn't that that was bothering me. To be brutally honest about what has just gnawed at me all year. Back in March, I was almost instantly uneasy about the pandemic paranoia that almost immediately began to take hold of many shock Pentecostal people. That feeling began in my spirit back in March. And when I felt it and sensed it and tried to negotiate it, I could tell it didn't bode well for the rest of 2020. And sure enough, some people didn't show up very faithfully even when we were finally able to begin holding socially distanced services on Father's Day in June. And a few of them haven't even been back to church for nine months now. Pentecostal folks. The couch was just too comfortable, I guess. I am not for one second talking about shut-ins. I'm talking about people who have carried on with their jobs and with grocery shopping, and with medical appointments, and dining out with family and friends, and they've even braved Christmas shopping over the last month. I don't even do that. The, in fact, the only thing that has changed from their pre-COVID weekly routine 
is church. Everything else is going back to normal. And as a pastor and as a saint of God and as your friend, that really bothers me. But far worse, as a pastor, I've watched new believers who were just beginning to get grounded, just beginning to get their spiritual legs under them. I've watched them wither and die spiritually because online church just wasn't enough. I've watched solid saints fall back into old habits and even addictions because socially distanced services just didn't do it for them. In every generation, apostolic pastors have preached against empty altars. We must not have empty altars. And it grieves my heart that in my generation, that's what we've seen over the last nine months all due to pandemic restrictions. Yes, we've kept the rules. Yes, we've tried to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And therein lies the problem. I felt this warning building in my spirit for many months now, and you have heard it come through in sermons like the lost Bible, while men slept, and worn out. You've heard it bleed through in series like House of Prayer, stirred the church in the last days, and living in light of the end. I must tell you that it will not let go of me because I'm a pastor, and because I'm your pastor, and because I love you. We at this point have absolutely no knowledge of when this will be over and we also have no control over the restrictions we may continue to face even after the pandemic ends. So one more time, I will say it emphatically at the end of a difficult year. There is a spiritual virus that is far worse than COVID-19. After months of watching church on Online, and after even more months of doing socially distanced services, it is easy to slip into the new normal that all the talking heads are talking about. But I say it one more time. I will shout it on the last Sunday of this year. The new normal is not normal for apostolic people. The new normal is subnormal. The new normal is abnormal. So don't get used to it. Don't accept it and don't ever conform to it. We're going to try to keep you as safe as we possibly can. We are not going to go up against our government. That's a fool's errand. It will take a lot more restriction before we need to mount a protest. But in the meantime, I am not going to settle in for denominational church, dead, dry, dull, and boring, no move of the spirit, no prayer, no worship, no response. And I've been waiting to say this all year and I have been so good, but I am so sorry. I am getting tired of empty altars and empty aisles because if you can squeeze by somebody picking up toilet paper at Walmart and be that close to them, you can get in an aisle. You can come to an altar. You can step out of your seat once in a while. I'm not asking you to go up and hug somebody. I'm just saying Jesus is worthy and hasn't it been just about enough? Don't break a rule, but for heaven's sake, break out of your comfort zone and worship God through the mask. 
This is the last time I will get to preach to you in 2020. And I take that responsibility very seriously. That's why this week, even in the midst of our personal Christmas celebrations, my heart was drawn to this odd little verse in a passage that I've never preached from. King David is at the height of his reign and everything is going well. This shepherd boy from Bethlehem certainly didn't expect to become the ruler of his nation. His anointing by the prophet Samuel caught everyone by surprise. His victory over the giant Goliath had made him a hero. But the celebration was cut short when jealous King Saul tried to chase him down and kill him for years. David had cried many tears, written many psalms, and no doubt asked many questions of God during those difficult years as a fugitive. But all those trials are now in the past. David has now become comfortable in his role as king. He's become familiar with the halls of the royal palace. He's now at ease with position and authority. And therein lies the problem. 2 Samuel 11 and 1. And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. The year was over. Israel was heading into spring just as we are heading into winter. But it wasn't the date on the calendar that mattered. It was the destiny of David that mattered. He had everything going for him. Most of all, the blessings of God. But it had been a long year. Full of heavy responsibilities. Full of challenging circumstances. And stubborn enemies. And it had been battle after battle after battle to fight. And David was tired of it all. After the year was expired, kings needed to be on the battlefield fighting alongside God's people. Their enemies certainly hadn't quit fighting. They were all around them just looking for an opportunity to encroach on Israel's territory. But David decided after the year was expired, he decided to let other people engage to let others fight this battle. And David stayed home to watch it all play out at a distance. He had fought before. He had a reputation as a giant killer after all. So David surely deserved a break. Surely he could set his armor aside just this once. He was tired after The year was expired. What David didn't know 
was that there was far more danger lurking on his balcony than there ever would have been on the battlefield. Staying home, being disengaged from the battle would end up affecting every day for the rest of his life. His sin with Bathsheba, which began on that balcony, would result in public humiliation, the death of her husband, Uriah, and eventually the death of four of David's sons. It would result in a confrontation with the prophet Nathan, who came storming into David's palace, told him a pitiful story about a rich man who had many lambs, but he chose to take one little lamb who was a pet to a poor man in his family. And David said, that man needs to die. And the prophet looked back at him and said, King, thou art the man. You're the one that stole the lamb. That sin, that balcony, sitting at home while others fought, being disengaged while others pushed, while others worked, while others got in the battle. That would result in endless sin and scandal for David and his family. And it would ultimately result in the judgment of God. God said through the prophet Nathan, you did this thing secretly, But what I do, I will do in the eyes of all of Israel. It's not going to be good. David would forever rue the day when he sat home and left his armor off. And he just disengaged. It was after a whole year had expired. It had been a difficult year. It had been an awkward year. It had been an exhausting and frustrating and confusing year, just like your year. It had been a year that he never probably wanted to go back through again. And although Israel had won battle after battle, battle after battle comes with a great cost, and David was just tired. So after the year was expired, he decided to check out and sit this one out And it ended up being his undoing. The man after God's own heart would never escape the consequences of sitting out the battle and staying at home. Hence, your troubled pastor. Oh, I'm not troubled about the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. I'm not even troubled about this church. This church is going to be here after they've had most of our funerals, if the Lord tarries. I'm not even worried about this. No, I'm worried about individuals because the devil doesn't attack us full frontal assault when we're all here worshiping and praising Jesus. No, the devil picks us off one by one. That's the danger of social distancing because social distancing can easily turn into isolating. And I'm not talking about pandemic rules. I'm talking about human tendencies. And if the devil can get you alone, sin seeks secrecy. The devil would love to get you alone and pick you off so that your worship becomes just an empty shell and your church attendance becomes one more obligation or maybe not even. And so after this year, not David's year, your year, after the year 
was expired. After 2020 is history. I have a question for you. Not the church. Church is fine. You heard the report tomorrow, this morning. This, this is an amazing church. I'm not talking about collectively. I'm talking about you. Because I care about you. And this church cares about you. Compared to where you were spiritually, not materially, not financially, not your job, not your career, not your education, not all that stuff, not your possessions. Oh my goodness, that stuff doesn't matter in eternity anyway. Compared to where you were before March 15th unleashed itself on our unsuspecting nation. Where are you today spiritually compared to where you were then spiritually are you more consecrated are you more prayerful are you more dedicated to God or are you like David you've just sat out a few battles and the enemy has taken advantage of the inactivity just asking I'm not trying to irritate you I love you I'm not trying to chide you I'm so proud of you. But I'm one of your pastors. And so it's my responsibility to say to you, as you end 2020, when we go into 2021, listen to me. (laughs) Read my lips. Beverly doesn't like me saying listen to me, so I figured out something finally worse. Read my lips. As we enter 2021, there will be battles and we will face them and we will fight them and we will be victorious. The devil will try to do his worst. We'll experience pain and setbacks, loss and heartache. There will probably be funerals in 2021 and we'll lose people to some sickness or other because that's the human condition. But this church is going to battle through it. The question is not whether the church is going to survive and thrive. We're going to be on the battlefield pushing the kingdom of God forward. The question isn't that. The question is, can we count on you spiritually as we enter 2021? After the year was expired, because he was tired... David made the worst decision of his reign and that was to disconnect when the rest of the army was in battle. It's a time when kings should be fighting and you are a royal priesthood and a chosen generation. Pastors usually have some idea how a sermon's gonna end. I didn't figure this one would end so well. But God wouldn't let me loose of it anyway. And so I leave it with you. I'm not asking you for anything this morning. I'm asking you for something much bigger than that. I'm asking you for next year to be at least better than this year. And if this year, if you've regressed, you need to 
back up and take a run at prayer. You need to back up and take a run at worship. You need to back up and take a run at fasting and take a run at your relationship with God. And you need to push the envelope further than you could ever imagine because the coming of the Lord is still on the horizon. It's not a time for kings. It's not a time for God's family to be sitting back watching the battle unfold on your computer screen. It's time to get involved. It's time to show up. It's time to push. We will do everything we possibly can to keep you safe. But I'm looking. I'm longing for somebody that gets so tired of sitting immobilized like a mannequin in a pew for a service and then shuffling out like a bunch of defeated zombies. I'm waiting for CCC to come back. I'm not asking you to break a rule. I'm not asking you to touch anybody else, but I am asking you once in a while to shake yourself enough to touch God. That's what I'm asking you as we enter into this new year, which we will do at 12.01 on Friday morning. It is not a time to be disconnected from your church. It is not a time to be checked out from what the people of God are doing. If there ever was a time when we need prayer warriors, it's as we face the last days. If there ever was a time we need sacrificial givers, it's in the last days. And we got a a whole herd of them, but we need you too. If there ever was a time when we need people that just defy all the, the cloud of oppression and negativity, and fear that has settled over our city and you say you know what I am going to worship God at church just like I worship him at home I can worship God anywhere and I can do it with a mask I can do it without touching anybody I can do it but I am going to do it I'm waiting on you CCC not this morning I'm waiting on you this year because I know who you are and I know what you are and I know what you can do and I know how this church normally acts in a worship service. And I haven't seen that for a while and I'm ready for it. I'm desperate for it. I'm hungry for it. (laughs) But if you decide you're going to sit out the battle and watch us all beat ourselves silly, half a dozen of us. The church won't lose. God won't lose. You will lose. Would you lift up your hands? I am finished. Thank God I'm finished. I know this was a heavy one. Would you lift up your hands right now? See, that's right there. That's what I'm talking about. We, we can't afford to do that quiet denominational rumble and mumble. We can't afford that, CCC. That's not who we are. I'm not criticizing anybody else, but we can't afford to do that. There's something that has to be in the heart of a child of God that through that muffled mask, we hear your praise. Through that muffled mask, we hear tongues coming forth. Through that muffled mask, we hear worship to God coming forth. Through that muffled mask, we hear prayers and tears of maybe repentance coming forth. There has to be something. Are you ready? 
ready to turn this around. We don't control when the government lifts restrictions. We're not trying to, but we can control when we lift our personal restrictions and we just stop kind of sitting and enduring this until it's over. I'm just here to declare on the last Sunday of the year, we've given them nine months to put their act together. We'll just put up with it. But can we just declare in this room and in our church, it's over. In this room and in our lives, it's over. As for me and my house, I'm going to worship God if they make me wear two masks. I'm going to worship God and pray if they tell me I can't because there are some things that feels better. It's like a snowball. We don't have any snow on the ground. But it's like a snowball rolling off a steep hill and just building and growing and building and growing. We need all hands on deck. Now we've said this for nine months. Some of you have become professionals at just ignoring it, kind of looking straight past us as we say this. But if you are seated or standing with somebody that's in your bubble, that you eat breakfast and lunch and dinner with, that you drive in the car with, that you were sitting at diplomat with this week, you can touch them because you already have. So if you're in that bubble, would you take the hand of your wife? Thank you, Josh, with a brand new baby. Thank you. Would you take the hand of somebody near you that's in your bubble and would you lift that hand up with yours and would you push a little bit I can't control you I'm not trying to but as for me I declare this is over I'm gonna push through I release somebody to stay your distance from everybody else. But thank you, Brother Larry, with a walker. Thank you for that. I release somebody to get out in an aisle or to come to the altar. Keep your distance. That's good. Keep your mask on. That's wonderful. Keep the rules. That's what we're asking you to do. But I thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because this is what we really need. We've become a little too content going without this for a little too long. And some people people are falling off the edge of church because we're not having altar services. So it's over, devil. It's over. We're going to push as hard as we can. If only three come with us, it'll be three. If only 10 come with us, it'll be 10. But it's over. Thank you, folks, for responding. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're in the front of an aisle, if you can step forward so people don't have to squeeze by you, that kind of freaks some people out, and that's okay. But if you'll just make room, we got lots of space right up in here. You can keep six feet away from anybody that's not in your bubble. Now, all the rest of you that you couldn't get up here, would you just turn your seat into an altar right now? Would you just turn your pew into a meeting place with God right now? Because we don't want to exit this year weak. We don't want to exit this year anemic. Thank you, all of you precious seniors. I know you're in an at-risk group. We wouldn't endanger you for the world. We want to keep you safe. We've gone nine months without hugging your neck, but here's what we want. We want you to be part of what God is doing in this hour. 
Kathy, we're okay without music. Thank you. I just want to hear some prayer ascend right now. I just want to hear some prayer ascend right now. Yes, you can parse this message out and you can pick a sentence and say it's some kind of stupidity or some kind of rebellion against the government. That's not even true and you know it. We want to keep you safe. We want to keep the rules. But my Lord, we want to be Pentecostal. We want to have a move of God. We want people to get the Holy Ghost. We want people to be baptized in Jesus' name. We want prayer to rock this place again. We want worship to resound in this room again. You've done so well, but God is calling somebody from the balcony to the boardroom. Not to the boardroom, but to the battlefield. He's calling you from the balcony, not to the back row, but to the battlefield. That's what he's doing. I'm calling you to shake yourself. I'm calling you to shake yourself. I'm not preaching to this whole church. This whole church has been spectacular this year, but we don't want to lose you off the fringes. We don't want to lose you sitting in front of your computer. We don't want to lose you in the secret place where the devil is picking you off one by one. We want you to be part of this. We need you to be part of this. God called you to be part of this. Balcony, would you let me hear a roar of praise or prayer or worship up there? Would you just let me hear you? I know you're way back there and I know you got masks on and I thank you for making space on the floor, but don't let the distance of a balcony, don't let that mess up your connection with God. With your voice full throttle, would you wait on the Lord for a couple of minutes before we leave here? With your voice full throttle. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Devil, this isn't stopping me from worshiping God. This isn't going to stop me from responding. This is not keeping me from the altar or from the aisle. This is not going to make me be less than an apostolic. I wear this out of obedience, but I also wear it in protest. I want this to be over, but until it's over, let's have church. Until it's over, Let's touch God. Thank you for your response today. Could I get you to back up spiritually and take one more run because there's a breakthrough here. Could I get you to back up spiritually and push one more time because there is a breakthrough here for somebody.
This is your Sunday. This is your service. This is your time. Lord Jesus, right now, I speak against the fear that has tried to bind your people. Right now, I speak against the paranoia that the media has created around this pandemic in a province that has done so well. There is so little risk to so many of us but we are afraid because of what has happened. Lord Jesus, we're not trying to be reckless. We've worn masks and we've distanced and we've got ropes everywhere and we've got stickers all over the floor. We've got indoors and outdoors and we've done everything, Jesus. But what we need is your spirit because if we live through a pandemic and we die spiritually, we have gone backwards. So Lord, Lord Jesus, would you revive us? Would you stir us? Would you lift us? Would you change us? Would you help us? Would you intervene among us? Jesus, I refuse to be more free in Walmart than I am in your house. Jesus, I refuse to be more relaxed in the mall than I am in your church building. Jesus, help us to see through this. Help us to handle this right Mando rababa kye rebo she sabaa. Mando rababa kye toko rabaha yasa. Mesho sababa kye talabaha. Manda labalo shasa robo koyabaa. Mesho shababa yotolakarabaha. In the name of Jesus. I'll leave you be if one more time you will lift up your hands and your voice and your praise and your worship and give God a pre-COVID praise for heaven's sake.